Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, this is episode number 249 with Amanda Rasmussen. Um, she has an incredible story. Um, you can kind of imagine the whole story of like rediscovering health and um, kind of gaining this passion for running and how that kind of you know helps you uh, get healthy, lose weight, set goals, all that stuff. Um, but then I want you to imagine that story and be like, Hey, here's a person who's like, Hey, I kind of like running. This is fun. And then she goes out and attempts <laughs> eventually like a few years later, attempts to do a 200 mile race, ends up doing 150 miles in probably some of the worst racing conditions, just downpour of rain and mud and all of that and that's the story today and it's it's amazing i'm like dude you i mean if you looked at the race amanda had a few weeks ago um and i'm gonna try my best to say it at the potawatomi 200 i think i'm saying that right it's it's in illinois i'm from iowa like i feel like i should pronounce that correctly right so i'm gonna say it again potawatomi um, but if you looked at that race and you see the, what happened to the trails and the downpour, like it, it looked like it was just pouring rain on Amanda. Um, it looks like the trails were just, you know, they always like when they get muddy, it feels like you're on like an ice skating rink. That's what it looks like. Um, and you think like, oh, not only am I battling that, but I'm also battling just the mental battles of going through the longest race I've ever gone through or like the biggest challenge um, that I ever have faced. Like, dude, that's incredible. Like, that's an amazing um, battle with adversity right there. And I love that so much. And that's what made me excited to talk with her. So I'm super excited to share her story today. Um, also, I have to say, she just put a picture on Instagram of her toenails after doing that. It's, it's rough, rough stuff. But uh, but it's basically just what you think of um, with ultra running, right? Like <laughs> sometimes you lose some toenails. I don't know what to tell you. That's part of the sport. Um, sometimes the just downpours on you while you're trying to run 200 miles and the trails turn into an ice skating rink. That's also part of the sport. That's what, what I think we all are drawn to. I think ultra runners and Amanda, especially, I think they're drawn to this challenge, you know, like knowing that there will be difficult times that you have to face. And when you show yourself that you can battle and get through um those difficult times like dude that's so powerful that's like a powerful tool that you have uh in your toolbox the rest of your life so i think that's awesome amanda you were amazing i can't wait to have her back on the podcast she has a really um she has a really fun 2021 a really fun summer this year with three big 100 milers coming up and she talks a little bit about that in the podcast as well um the first like five minutes of the podcast the audio quality is a little 
off um, for whatever reason. Zoom was being weird, um, but we fixed it. So uh, just be patient through the first five minutes. I think it's not too bad. I think I took out most of the really bad spots, but uh, but yeah, you think I'd have this like this is number two forty nine, like just kind of an example of like you know you get used to something and you're like oh like this will be no problem like there won't be any uh obstacles that come in my way um i've been doing the podcast 249 times and then of course i probably messed something up and <laughs> so anyways uh huge thanks to amanda for coming on the podcast um let's get right into it this is like a bigfoot podcast number 249 with amanda rasmussen All right, ladies and gents, this week we are welcoming uh, Amanda Rasmussen to the show. Um, Amanda, I'm super psyched to talk with you. Uh, I saw pictures from your recent uh, attempt at the 200-mile race, which I want you to go into all the details of that. And it just looked like brutal, like the elements just looked brutal. So anyways, welcome to the show. I'm excited to talk with, talk with you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I I was very curious, like, I mean, we'll get into the 200 miler and all that, but what, like, I'm always just kind of curious, like, what leads someone to a 200 mile race, you know, like, <laughs> you're born and then there's a 200 mile race, like, what happened in between that? <laughs> um, well, basically, four years ago, I embarked on a weight loss journey and I lost over uh, 120 pounds. And then I started um, running races and I think I kind of transferred my weight loss goals into my running goals. Yeah. So then it was just like, how far can I go? And it was just a matter of continuing to push the envelope. And um, I don't know, I just, I felt like, I feel like the farther I go, the more I learn about myself. So that's what brought me to the 200. Yeah, no, that's, oh man, I love the idea of like transferring weight loss goals into like actual running goals because through doing a running goal like automatically you're gonna like have that weight loss stuff happen but you're not gonna put as much emphasis on that like you're gonna be like i want to get faster i want to go longer and you know like the byproduct is probably weight loss stuff oh yeah definitely um I guess now the further I go, the more I eat. So <laughs> I don't know if that balances out now, but. <laughs> yeah, no, that's wow. Okay. So yeah, but most people like when they set a weight loss goal, they're not jumping into 200 mile races four years later. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I have no idea exactly how it transpired. It was just somebody put an idea in my head when I ran um, my first couple races. They were like, hey, you're kind of fast, yeah. you know? And so I was like, oh, okay, um, let's just see what I can do. And then uh, I ran my first marathon. And on the start line, the 325 pacer told me, if you can Boston qualify today, you can run 100 miles. And I took that seriously when I qualified. So I uh, started signing up for longer distances. Dude, that's so did you end up doing the Boston Marathon? I did not. Um, I chose to forgo my entry because the trails kind of stole my heart. Yeah. And uh, pavement running just, um, 
it doesn't do it for me as much. And now I kind of regret that choice, but I got into Leadville. So I was like, that's the running God's kind of not going to Boston. They were like, here's Leadville for you. <laughs> so I'll be lost. Yeah, dude. Well, okay. So was Leadville like your first big ultra that you did or were you doing things like leading up to that? Um, I did things leading up to that. Uh, I haven't done Leadville yet because I was supposed to do it last year, but COVID happened. Oh yeah. So I'm, I'm doing it this year, but, um, I did a couple 50 and 50 days and uh, I've only done one hundred and that was Tunnel Hill in 2019. So yeah, I had pretty big, pretty big gap between races, but you know, it was just COVID. So yeah. Oh, everybody had a giant gap between races there. Um, where are you located out of? Are you, I'm trying to remember. I think I, for whatever reason, I'm feeling like South, like South Dakota. Is that correct? Yep. I'm in Sioux Falls, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Oh, nice. Okay. And you're kind of like, I mean, I talked to uh, Emily Wanless and Ryan Wanless just about like the ultra scene in South mm-hmm. Dakota. Like, what was it that kind of like hooked you to trail running and the trails there? Um, well, the trails on this side of the state are not as beautiful as the ones on the west side of the state, which I'm sure both Emily and Ryan told you. Um, but the community here is just so supportive. I mean, even west side to east side, I mean, we all support each other and you get together and it's just this diverse group, but, um, just trail runners are just a breed of their own. I tell you what, they're just so (laughs) compassionate. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, you have to have a lot of passion to to put yourself through days of suffering. So, yeah, what do you find through that suffering? I was just talking about this with a friend last night, actually, and I was like, "Man, like, obviously, we like this. This is something we enjoy, but at the same time, it's inarguable that like you're suffering throughout it. You know, like what." what draws you to that? Cause I'm just curious if it's like kind of similar between all trail runners. I think it's just, um, finding out what you can handle. Um, you know, things that you thought would break, you don't, and you keep pushing through. You feel so much stronger than you thought you were going into it. That's what kind of draws me to it. I think yeah. is what, uh, what happens afterwards. What kind of like, lessons do you process after like a hundred mile race or a 50 miler or or something like what you just accomplished? Um, I think the kind of lessons that I learn are, um, obviously like what to do next time, um, in, in that situation. And then obviously, um, I guess it always teaches me to be more grateful for things. Um, you just, you see so much good in people in those longer distances that uh, it really is mind blowing. I mean, you, I guess I leave races with so much gratitude and love. So that's how I feel. Yeah. Have you had any like experiences really stand out where you, you met somebody during a race and they did something that you were grateful for? Um, I, I mean, I've met so many different people, but you know, this most recent experience, um, a lot of the people that helped me and my crew and pacers were strangers to me. Um, they were just people that said they would help. Um, like my coach connected me with them and stuff like that. And 
these people just went above and beyond, but one in particular stands out. I didn't finish my 200, but I did complete 150. And um, which is one of the guys so badass, by the way. I mean, <laughs> it's just funny to be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't complete my goal. And yet I still ran 150 miles, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, the guy that paced me, um, that my coach connected me with, he had run this race before and done the 150. And he got my address from my lead crew pacer. And he sent me his, his own personal 150 mile buckle to commemorate um, my time out there. And that was probably the most special thing that anybody has ever done for me. That's, that's, so. that's so amazing. So he like made yeah. a buckle basically? No, no, it was his own buckle that he no earned. Way. So his 150 miler. Yeah, because he did that same race. He ran the 150 Potawatomi oh. and completed it. So this was his own buckle from his collection that he sent me. Uh, he said that I earned it. And I cried when I got that package. <laughs> I tell you what, I cried so hard. It was just, this is why I say trail runners are a different breed. This is why I love the trail community. I mean, doing something like that is just above and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's so like selfless. And it's for someone you didn't know until you kind of went through this event or you saw them struggle. You saw them at like, like kind of a low point or facing adversity. And you just, I don't know, for me, I'm like, I just gained so much respect for someone when I see how they face up with like tough moments. Oh yeah, for sure. And that, that race was, that race was tough. Um, and I've told it's tough every year. They say it's not Potawatomi if it's not bloody or muddy. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you did the Potawatomi. I can't even say it. This is where my Midwesterner <laughs> fails. I'm like, you think I'd be able to say that. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's Potawatomi. Potawatomi? Oh, Potawatomi? I'm, I'm bad at it too. I was going to say Potawatomi, but. Potawatomi? I don't know how to say it either. So we're both bad at, we're both bad at that. Yeah. Well, so tell me about the race. Like, where is it at? Like, where is it located? Um, you know, what kind of like format is it in and things like that? Okay. Um, it's outside of Peoria, Illinois. So okay. um, you, you would think it would be flat. No, it's not. It's not flat at all. Um, it's a 10 mile loop. So it's for the 200 mile distance. You've repeated 20 times. Um, and it's, uh, like 99% single track, um, mainly through like forested areas with a couple Creek crossings. Um, so it's really a beautiful course, but, uh, there was lots of rain this year. So, yeah. so it turned muddy pretty quick. Yeah. 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 I mean, do I mean I can't I imagine like even just a little bit of rain will turn that stuff into complete like mud bath. Mhm. Mm and then there's um five different distances uh that are also going that were staggered. There's 150, 100, a 50, a 30 and a 10. Okay. So you had you had numerous other races going on on a loop course with lots of rain and mud. So the trail was just getting worse by every loop yeah um do but, you, you know yeah it, it's just an incredible incredible experience though 
Yeah. Do you like, do you train specifically for that kind of stuff? Like, did you expect that going in or was that kind of a surprise? Um, it was a little bit of a surprise. You know, I always like to look at the course profile if I can. And, and I'm like, okay, like that seems manageable. That seems doable. And then you get on the course and you're going up <laughs> these like super steep ascents and you're like, well, that didn't look like that on the course profile. Um, but, you know, I go into it with an open mind. You know, whatever I'm going to be faced with is what I'm going to be faced with. And uh, it's just a matter of how you deal with what, you're, what you, you need to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're faced with something like torrential downpour and ridiculously muddy trails in a 200-mile race, I guess that's the thing that kind of like, you know, if you're out there for even like a 50 miler where it's like a whole day deal, but you're like, at the end of the day, I know I get to like go home and dry off, but you're out there for like multiple days. Like how do you face those obstacles? Like what, what are some strategies you, you use for that? Um, well, lots of clothes changes. So, um, (laughs) I even had to borrow some layers from, um, my main crew, chief uh she gave me some of her layers even um had to change my socks every loop uh change it out shoes so it's just trying to stay as dry as possible for as long as possible and you know the rain did let up um on friday so the second day it did let up for a while yeah but uh other than that i mean there was there was almost constant rain yeah (laughs) like like what what did your feet look like were they just like they they turned out pretty bad um (laughs) i got some blisters yeah we got probably three toenails that i'll lose and then i got on each foot i have two like silver dollar size blisters um between my big toe and my second toe so yeah those ones were really painful yeah um but we kind of we use KT tape along the way because I started developing the blisters about 110 miles in or so. So yeah. we just were taping them. Tape it and lube it and call it good. Yeah. Be like, hey, we're good to go. And you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to look at my feet for like a month after this. Pretty much. I've been doing Epsom salt baths. Um, that's, that's helped a, a ton with my yeah. feet. Yeah. What were other racers? Like, obviously I'm sure every single person out there was struggling with that. Oh, without a doubt. Um, I don't know. I guess the, the race director posted in the trail group, um, post pictures of your feet here. So I was like <laughs> <laughs> looking, looking at other people's feet and, you know, some were, some were better, some were worse. <laughs> You're like sending messages to the people with nice feet and you're like, what did you do? What was your foot routine? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was doing everything changing socks, lube, putting lots of lube on there and, but still, still didn't uh, manage to get out unscathed there. Yeah. I mean, like in a downpour like that, there's no way I can't imagine. Yeah. Especially when you're out there just that long of amount of time well so you know what was like you know what was the thing that kind of like eventually took you out at 100 which once again i'm gonna say took you out at 150 miles but at the same time i'm just like 
wildly impressed that you went 150 miles, you know? Yeah. Um, I think what eventually took me out is, um, the mud. I just, I was so over it. I was, I could not stop crying at the last loop. Um, it was just, everything was just kind of being down on me emotionally and physically. I was just so tired because you, this mud was so thick. It's, it sucked my shoe off. So <laughs> you're, you're working so hard to get inching forward. And then I knew the time cutoff was against me too. So, um, those are kind of all the factors that played into eventually just saying, Hey, I had a good run, but I'm going to let it win this time and I'll come back and finish it next time. Yeah. Do you think there's anything, you know, like you're doing a looped course. How, how long were the loops? A 10 mile loop. Okay. So you're doing a looped course. And so you know that the condition, what the conditions are going to be like, and you, I guess you probably knew that the trail was just going to get worse and worse. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think there's something to be said, like, if you were doing like, like a big, like instead of loops over and over, if you're doing like one giant loop or like a point to point or something, like, do you think there was a little more, would be a little more hope there where you're like, maybe when I go, like, even if there wasn't actually, like if the trail condition was really bad the whole time anyways, but like in your mind, do you think there was a little bit of like, maybe if I just go around this corner, it'll be like completely perfect trails, you know? Oh, most definitely. I think um, if it would have been an out and, out and back, even an out and back or a point yeah. to point um, or a bigger loop, stuff like that, I think those factors would have contributed a lot into my decision because like you said, I, I knew what to expect and I knew it was going to yeah. get worse. And I think that that got into my head a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy. How did it compare to your 100 mile race, the Tunnel Hill one? Um, it, it's so wildly different because Tunnel Hill is the rails, the trails. So, and I ran that super fast and, um, you know, I felt really good up until like mile 76 and then I couldn't eat anymore. Whereas at this race, I was eating like crazy, you know, yeah. my pace is a lot more, a lot slower, a lot more control. Um, so, I mean, it was just two wildly different experiences um, that, I mean, you can't compare these, uh, an actual trail to a rails to trails. This is, uh, there's no comparison there. Yeah. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> I definitely enjoyed Potawatomi better. Yeah. Oh, okay. Even with the rain and all that? Even with the rain and all that, um, I feel like I came out of Potawatomi a lot stronger. Like, I felt like Tunnel Hill, this is going to sound terrible, I felt like it was too easy. Yeah. Um, uh, I shouldn't say a hundred miler is easy, but <laughs> I don't, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was challenged enough. Whereas here, I feel like I was really like put to the test. Yeah. I, I mean, I see that for sure. Like, you know, well, man, I just, yeah, it's just to me, like I've never ran a hundred mile, a hundred miler or anything like that yet. And I'm like, dude, that has to be hard no matter what, but then you're doing like the next level up with no sleep or, you know, not a lot of sleep and, and just adding in like double the amount. And yeah, I, I could see how that's like a, just a much bigger challenge at that point. 
Uh, yeah, and like the conditions and and the trail, just the differences in those too. It's just uh, it was much more challenging. So yeah. uh, I think I enjoy I enjoy being like pushed a little bit harder, and Tunnel Hill didn't really do that for me. Yeah. What the, What do your like family and friends kind of think about this whole journey? Have you ever like asked them that, or like kind of talked with them about that? Because I mean if four years ago you started this journey and now you're doing these ultra runs, which, you know, people like regular people, quote unquote, like they think any ultra running, even like marathons, they probably think are like pretty extreme. And then you're like, nah, I'm going to run a 200 miler this weekend. No big deal in the woods. It's going to rain a bunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, they are very like, wow. Um, <laughs> I think I think it doesn't surprise them too much just knowing my personality and how I am like I'm always looking to I'm always looking to improve and do better and do more so I think that doesn't surprise them but um, the fact that I went from being obese all my life to like ultra running uh, kind of blows their mind like they're they're super proud of me but they also have no idea what to think of it they're just like well you're doing this thing I don't know how you do it but you're doing it we're super happy for you if you're happy so yeah yeah what was the uh, did you have like a moment where you made up the decision to like pursue like a weight loss journey or you made up a decision to pursue ultra running or like was there like an actual moment or was it more like a progression uh, no, there was a definite defining moment. I just, um, I even know the date and I marked that as my, my decision date. And that's March 22nd of 2017. That is when I, I quit smoking cigarettes. I quit drinking and got a, I went, got a meal plan and got a gym membership. So like, that was the day that I said, no more, I need to change. And I, and I can't wait another day. So, yeah. uh, so there was definitely that defining moment for me and uh I just stuck with it and you know eventually fell in love with running yeah well so like I mean it's just interesting because there's so many times that people struggle to stick with it you know especially like probably within the first week you know of of working out or you know even right now for me like I've been training a long long time at this point but if I take like a week mm -hmm. or two off, that first week is so painful. You're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know? Definitely. Um, I think you just have to want it. I mean, yeah. people ask me all the time for, you know, like, how did you do it? Like, how are you? And it was just, I felt like I had no other option but to change. That's, that's kind of what, how, I, how I put it. Um, I was really unhappy and depressed and... I needed to do something different for myself and for my son. So yeah. um, I just kind of took control of everything and I went stuck with it. That's awesome. No, I, that's so cool. And I'm sure like friends and family, like that's, you know, even though they might not understand like ultra running, <laughs> but they probably understand like, oh, this is something that makes her happy. And like, you know, obviously that's the most important part and things like that. Yeah, for sure. They just, they know how much joy it brings me. So they're, they're super supportive and they cheer for me all the time. So 
you know, they might not get it, but they're, they're there. They're behind me. So. Yeah. That's amazing. What, um, so Leadville is your next thing. Uh, actually I have Kettle Moraine first in June. Yeah. So I'm doing the hundred there and then I'll have Leadville in August and, and then cloud splitter um, in October. And that's, that's in Virginia, Virginia in the Appalachian mountains. So yeah, I love Virginia. Yeah. That, yeah, I'm I'm so excited. Like for this race lineup this year, I'm I'm just over the moon excited. Dude, that's am- I mean, that's an amazing lineup just right there. What what are people telling you about those races? Like what do they say about Kettle Moraine and Leadville and Cloud Splitter? Um, I've heard great things about Kettle. Um the Wanlesses have done that course. Um yep. they've told me, you know, it's such a great community out there. And it, uh, it's a, it's a faster course too, for a single track, um, just cause it's a little flatter, more rolling hills. Yeah. Um, Leadville, you know, I've heard so much about Leadville. I mean, that's like a bucket list race right there. Dude. Um, everybody's just like, don't underestimate anything in that race. Um, uh, it's, it's all tough. So, um, oh, man. I'm excited for that. <laughs> I will. Then, I mean, I, I don't want to like, like, Dude, the elevation at Leadville just kicks you in the face. It's crazy. Yeah. Or like the altitude, yeah. <laughs> not elevation. Yeah, no, I got what you're saying, but um it's yeah, crazy. I did, I, I, I did do Hope Pass. Um oh, you I did? was supposed to do it last year. Yeah, I went out there and I did Hope Pass just to uh see what I was supposed to do. But yeah. Uh, What'd you think yeah, of it? So amazing. Oh wow. But it is gonna be tough, you know, halfway through. <laughs> a hundred miler they'll be like okay i'm gonna go up and over and back up and over yeah um so so it's gonna it's gonna be a challenge for sure i already know it yeah that's i'm i'm ready yeah i just ran uh that lake it's kind of by hope pass i think i can't remember what it's called like turquoise lake or something and oh okay yeah dude i was like i thought i was in shape what happened like what is happening at this run it was everything was like 10 minutes slower than like every mile felt like it was 10 minutes slower (laughs) yeah it'll happen in the in altitude and you know running uphill is hard (laughs) dude and that we uh that was our first camping trip with our youngest kid and I was like, mm-hmm. this was a huge mistake because she was like one and a half at altitude <laughs> and it was like kind oh. of cold and we're in a tent and like just the altitude, she just can't sleep it when it's that high up and nobody mm-hmm. in the campground slept. Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure we woke up like everybody in the campground the whole time. Oh, geez. Yeah. That's not a big surprise, I guess. <laughs> for a baby at altitude but yeah you learned a lesson yeah yeah i did well you know but i'll i'll repeat that lesson probably uh, many times before i actually learn it but um Mm -hmm. what's your strategy for altitude stuff i was actually emailing someone yesterday and i can't remember oh someone that was coming out to colorado to run a race and they're like what do you do about altitude and i was like i don't know if you figure it out you let me know man (laughs) like I don't know. Uh, my strategy for altitude, deal with it. I have no idea. <laughs> I love it. That's the uh, best strategy. I, I haven't uh, done too much at altitude. I mean, I've hiked 
like I said, I did hope pass and I did my first 14er out there. Oh, nice. But, Which one? I mean, um, I did, uh, oh my goodness. Mount Albert? Why can I not think of No, it wasn't Mount Albert. Um, there was, uh, there was two of them that, com- um, it was Gray's Peak. Oh, Gray's and Tories. Yeah, yeah. It's Gray's and, Gray's and Tories. Yep. Yeah. So those are one, that's the ones that I did. Um, and I didn't, I guess I didn't feel it like any different going up um, at all or coming down. I didn't, I didn't feel like lightheaded or dizzy or anything like that. So I just hope that that's uh, at Leadville that's in my favor too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Though I, I think some people like just react more at altitude, but there's no science behind me saying that. So I could just be making stuff up right now. <laughs> but yeah well that's awesome well best of luck at that like i i'll definitely be rooting you on like you know as as you go about that that race just seems so cool i want to do the uh they have like a marathon there too like a uh i think oh, it's like, yeah mm-hmm. yeah the leadville like heavy marathon the Le- or something. leadville yeah 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 so i've been you thinking about it. i know i was like i slowly want to build my way up but yeah, <laughs> I'm like, for whatever reason, at altitude, it, it kicks my butt generally. Just get, get out there more. I know that's, more. that's literally the only yeah. strategy besides deal with it, which yeah. I like the best actually. Yeah. <laughs> just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Just deal with it. Um, tell me a little bit about cloud splitter and like, what's, you know, what's that course like? Um, so cloud splitter will go up to the highest point in the Appalachian mountains at high knob. Um, so there's going to be a couple Creek crossings in there too. I know that. Um, yeah. and it kind of does a little, it's, it's a somewhat loop that kind of, you go out and then you come back a bit, but not on the same trail. And then you go out of another trail and you okay. kind of go around high knob and then, um, through some waterfall areas and stuff like that. I don't, I don't remember if it's on the actual Appalachian Trail, but, um, or at least portion of it is, but yeah. it, it kind of takes up multiple different uh, trail systems, and then you end up finishing at the same part that you started, but you, you go a completely different route to get there. Okay, dude. And I'm looking, yeah. I'm looking at the pictures right now. I'm like, that looks amazing. Yeah, the pictures on Ultra Sign Up are like pretty good. <laughs> And even on their website. They know how to do it. They know how to get people, you know? (laughs) Though I can say I get sold on races really easily when I see those pictures. I'm like, okay, that that looks great. Anything like out in the West or, you know, in Colorado, I'm like, okay, I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, dude. And I'm just, okay. So if you're cool with this, can we make a plan? Like, I would love to have you back on the podcast after you go through this whole summer of races um just like i just think it would be really interesting to hear your perspective of like the rocky mountains and the appalachian mountains because i just know like i've felt such a huge difference between the two like running in in each of them like i just would be curious to hear someone else's kind of take on that yeah i would love to come back on and talk about them I love talking about running, so. <laughs> Dude, yeah, and maybe you'll have lost every toenail by then, which would be pretty badass, so. Could be no nails, Amanda. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Amanda, where can people kind of like follow along with your journey uh, through this? Because I reached out to you because I just thought like what you're doing is like incredibly inspiring and really, really cool. You're taking on these really interesting events and fun races. And I don't know, I just thought it was, I thought, you know, it just seemed like your grit and your resilience is just something to like be admired. So. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, anybody can follow me on Instagram. I go by runner mom Amanda on there. Um, so I post a lot and uh, just, that's where everything will be that's race worthy or just running wise in general for me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Amanda, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It was nice talking to you, Chris. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Huge thanks to Amanda. Um, I really enjoyed hearing her story. I appreciated having her on the show. Um, I'm always just inspired by people who uh, really put themselves out there and and sign up for something that is seemingly to most people super super hard <laughs> like the potawatomi I, I think it's potawatomi i'm going with that the potawatomi 200 um like a 200 mile race dude um even if you think about ultra runners people who have done some of these events like a 200 mile race sounds really 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 difficult um and this is even from someone who's talked to a whole bunch of people who have done them i've known people who have finished 200 mile races um i've interviewed a handful of the athletes and they still seem really really hard so <laughs> uh but yeah so congrats to you amanda um i'm looking forward to uh, Kettle Moraine, Leadville, and Cloud Spit Splitter, and to see how you do. We'll be rooting you on for sure. Um, and I had a like an, I don't know if it was an epiphany. I don't think I have epiphanies. Let's just say that right off the bat. <laughs> I think my wife's always like, "What's what goes through your brain?" I'm like, "Ah, man, not much." Like sometimes I just it's like Homer Simpson. It's just like boop boop like they zoom into Homer's brain and. And that's it. But um, I had a thought. So let's just start here. Um, I think last episode I mentioned the project I've been working on. Um, it's going to be a documentary at the Deseret Stage Race. Um, me and my friend Paul, who I met on the course uh, <laughs> the first year I ran it on day one, we've become really good friends since then. Um, we are going to head out and we're going to try to document the race. Um, I was thinking about this the other day uh, during that stage race, and it probably happens during 200 milers as well. But with the stage race, since you're camping every night with everybody, you like kind of become not kind of, you do become invested in your fellow racers stories, their races, their adventures. Um, and so it's this weird thing where, um, even though you're a competitor, you are also a fan. You're also someone who's cheering from the stands, right? Like you're, you're rooting everyone on. You're like invested in the story of the race. Um, 
which was really cool. And I, I hadn't really thought of it in that term, in those terms until the last few weeks when we were preparing for this documentary. I was like, man, I was a fan. Like I'm, I was just, you know, observing this race, um, as someone who was really interested in what was going to happen and interested in the people who were doing this and what brought them there and what battles they faced and how they suffered and what they learned from that suffering. And, you know, and I did it with my podcast where I would interview people from that event afterwards. And like we did a whole bunch of episodes. You might be like, you almost did too many episodes, Chris. But here's why, like I was totally invested in that story. Um, And so now we get to go out from that perspective and really try to tell that story. We're hoping to capture the essence of the event, which is these people, normal people, regular everyday people facing this extreme adversity. I mean, the race is in June in the desert it can get super, super hot. Um, and, you know, when we do this podcast, we always talk about we always talk about stories of adversity, just like today with the rain and and all the mud and all that stuff, which sounds rough, like once again. <laughs> um, but I think this time I'm excited because this is an opportunity to actually show that to show what people went through and. To, to hear about the lessons they learned, but also show what they went went through to learn those lessons. Uh, and I'm super psyched. And I, the Cocopelli Trails, in my opinion, is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, even through the brutalness. It's beautiful, but it's brutal. And you're way back there and you're like, man, no one else is back here. And then you're like, oh yeah, I know why. Because it's super hot and super rugged and very remote (laughs) so uh the idea that i'm like excited about is highlighting not only the racers but also like showing what that trail is um because it's meant so much to me and my journey um and i'm excited to actually show it and it's been funny like i've been i guess i'm saying all of this because next week episode 250 uh paul and i um, his name is Paul Shearing. He's been on the show a couple times. Um, I don't want to make any like claims for Paul, but I'm going to. <laughs> He's probably like the only Hollywood showrunner, director, screenwriter, producer type who goes out and runs brutal ultras and stage races and and ultra ultra marathons and stuff like he's a complete badass um and next week we're gonna do a whole episode about deseret so i'm just adding this little bit here but we talk about the project what we're excited for what we're searching for what kind of themes are we looking at um and we'll also talk how you guys can help we want you guys to be a part of this journey as much as we can um and and yeah, the whole process though. So we're about to film this weekend uh, for the first time. We're going to go out and film a couple segments um, before the race, like interview segments and things. And uh, I've definitely been, you know, I'm looking forward to it so much. Like I'm so excited. I'm so passionate about this whole thing, but I've definitely been super nervous this week. 
Um, and I think that comes with when you start anything new. Um, so here's my epiphany. I was like, wow, I've start, I've done new things that I didn't think I could do so many times throughout my life. And then I started to listen to them. And there's probably so many that I didn't even list, but basically like, you know, you, you, maybe it's when you start a new sport as a kid, right? Like you sign up for football or you sign up for baseball and you're like, I'm going to start this. And you're like, dude, I had, I have no idea what I'm doing. I remember my first rugby practice. I had no idea what I was doing. Actually for rugby, I didn't know what I was doing for like two years. But I was like, whoa, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm covered in blood and this is awesome. And then, you know, six years later through college, uh, at the end of college or seven years, however, however year long college took me, um, I considered myself a rugby player. I was like, Oh, like I'm a rugby player now. And through that process, there was like, I didn't know what I was doing. There was the self doubt. There was the fear at the beginning. Like there was the whole, like, I don't know if I can do this. And then years later you're like oh you're like looking back and you're like whoa I guess I did that like huh (laughs) and it also happened with being a football coach you know like the first day dude I remember that first day of off-season practice showing up and I'm like I guess I'm a coach now like what this is crazy like people are gonna ask me questions and listen to me and then you just start doing it. You just got to start doing it. And then you look back and you're like, oh yeah, like I was a football coach for a while. Um, same with teaching. I mean, for me, like, dude, this is the biggest one because you get out of college or you're in college and all of a sudden you're like in charge of a classroom of children and you're like, whoa, I'm responsible for what happens in here over the next hour. <laughs> And I'm hoping that they learn stuff and they're supposed to learn stuff. That's my job. Um, But I'm the one in charge. And you show up with that feeling. And dude, if you ever want to have self-doubt, try to go into a classroom of 13-year-olds for the first time. Like, you're going to have some self-doubt. And they're going to point it out. They're just going to be like, hey, we see that you're terrified. Let's get them. Like that kind of thing. Um, but you go from that, like, I think back, I can do I mean, obviously I remember my very first day and there was so much of, I don't know if I can do this going through my head. And now, you know, I've been a teacher for eight or nine years at this point. So now it's like, this is just what I do every day. This is my job. Like this is something I feel like I'm good at. Um, But there's that process in between. You go from, I don't know if I can do this, to I guess I did that. And you do it just by trying and just by showing up and giving it your best shot and being willing to learn and being a sponge and taking in lessons from everybody you meet and, you know, facing those obstacles, failing and then trying again. Like that's how you learn how to do something. And I'm trying to remind myself that right now, as I'm two days out from doing our first filming for this, 
that that's that's what happens you show up and you have all these questions and then you just do it and then all of a sudden you're like oh i guess i did that um which is cool and that's the process and isn't that the fun of life like you get to go out and try all these cool awesome things you get to have all these amazing life experiences um and you know you always hear the people who are like live life to the fullest man um but they're right those people are right like you should you should just try it and you might not feel the most comfortable and it might take a ridiculous amount of hard work uh but you should just try it whatever you want to do like go after it of course you're going to feel strange at the beginning of course you're going to face self-doubt but that's just the process and you have to go through the process sometimes uh to get something done especially something that's meaningful for you and I have to say, like, this project is so meaningful to me. It It's something I just have been passionately, like, dreaming of and envisioning for nearly the last year now. So, uh, and putting in that work every day. And sometimes the work is just, like, doing a little bit every day. Um, but that little bit adds up over time, which... I know I've mentioned on here before. This is mostly just me giving me a pep talk right now. This is me giving myself a pep talk. So <laughs> trying to uh, to self-talk my way into confidence. So that's that's a t-shirt. Brady Manriquez, uh, my buddy, always is like, that's a t-shirt. That's one, Brady. It's just, I'm going to put it on it. It's just, this is just me trying to talk myself into self-confidence underneath that like a dash and it's gonna say like a bigfoot podcast <laughs> but all right guys well hey next week's gonna be super fun please come back uh i want to explain all about this we're gonna spend a whole episode on it and then we'll probably just mention how to help um from the episodes there on out uh and you know i might give updates along the way and all that stuff so uh yeah join us next week for number 250 we are a quarter of the way to a thousand, <laughs> but join us next week for, for that, uh, with Paul sharing, it's going to be super fun. All right. See you guys.